I'm Linda Baker, a reporter with Great Waves, and joining me today is Don Burnett, co-founder and CEO of Kodiak Robotics, an autonomous trucking startup based in Mountain View, California. And Don is here today to talk about Kodiak's approach to autonomy and the company's path to actually getting self-driving trucks on the road. So welcome, Don. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here today. Uh, Don, I was uh, talking to Jordan, your legal counsel, yesterday, and mm -hmm. he told me that uh, you are often described as someone who has 12 years of experience in a 10-year industry, meaning you've been around for a while uh, in a good way. Yes. Uh, so you've worked on uh, Google's self-driving project, and you co-founded Auto, the trucking startup that was eventually acquired by Uber before it was shut down. And then in 2018, you co-founded Kodiak with a very specific business model in mind. So why don't you tell us about that model and how your industry experience led you to an epiphany, if that's the right word, about why Kodiak and why now? Yeah. Sure. So I've worked on a lot of different autonomy problems in, in the time uh, that you just described and everything from highway driving with passenger vehicles to dense urban mobility when I was at Google. Um, and then, as you mentioned, um, started auto where we were focused on long haul trucking. I got the opportunity to work with the team at Uber to further that understanding. And one of the things I realized over time is that this technology is, is very difficult, which I think will come as no surprise to anyone, certainly not the listeners here. And so I was always looking for a way to focus the technology aspect of the problem. And I'm a true believer that long haul trucking is poised to be the first commercially viable application of this technology. If you think about um, the driving problem, it's very difficult in general, but long stretches of long haul highway are certainly easier to navigate from a technology perspective than a dense urban environments such as downtown San Francisco or downtown New York, uh, places, places like that. And so I, I'm a real believer that uh, in order to get this technology out into the world to improve safety, to improve efficiency and other things, uh, that trucking is ultimately going to be solved first. And, and there's a great business opportunity to, to be wrapped around that, which is why it's so, it's so exciting. Great. So in, in addition to working on the, on the technology, you, you have uh, a hybrid model really at play. So you are a technology company, but you are also a trucking company and you are hauling freight for a commercial customer. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And it's, so, it's important to understand. Yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was just uh, again, sort of tell us about you know why you decided to take uh, this hybrid approach to uh, to solving the problem. Sure. So on one hand, as you mentioned, we're, we're a technology company. We're based out in Silicon Valley in California. We have a lot of experience working on technology, um, self-driving cars, and and others. Uh, but I think it's really important to understand your product when you're building uh, a new technology, um, especially one that isn't really out there in existence. And so on the other hand, we are trying to build a logistics company as well at the same time. 
We want to understand the challenges that uh, freight companies are going through. Why is this problem hard? Uh, what, what are the different challenges that freight and logistics players are, are facing? And so it's really important for us to be moving freight uh, for shippers under real conditions as we co-develop this technology. And ultimately, we think that uh, the best straightforward go-to market model for this technology is for a company such as Kodiak to actually be the operator and um, build a fleet and become uh, become essentially a, a freight company. And so we have essentially a, this hybrid model, as you say, where on one hand, we're building a freight company. On the other hand, uh, we're building a technology company. And we think it's this combination that will ultimately allow us to get to market and bring this technology to commercialization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you are making deliveries in, in Texas, and are those active deliveries today? That's right. So we have an office based in Mountain View, as you mentioned before, but we also have uh, an office in Dallas, Texas, and we've been running freight out of our uh, Dallas location uh, for about eight months now, maybe possibly a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, we're running daily uh, daily loads with multiple trucks for shippers, and we're moving goods um, as, as we speak. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so today is April 17th and, uh, you are actually closing out a tough week with, uh, Kodiak laying off, uh, almost 20% of its employees. Can you give us, uh, any more information about, about the layoffs and why they were necessary? Sure. I, you know, I, I would first like to say that, you know, this COVID situation has really reinforced that freight is the lifeblood of our economy. And I'd, I'd like to say thanks to all the drivers out on the road moving freight, including our own. Um, but this is a really tough time for businesses. And, and COVID is really disrupting the market in a lot of ways. Uh, as you mentioned, we made the difficult decision this week to reduce our headcount. Uh, it's not a decision that we, that we make lightly, uh, but we're confident that we've positioned Kodiak uh, for success in the future. And uh, for the moment, you know, we've shifted our resources toward uh, uh, freight deliveries, uh, even with manual drivers and manual trucks. And the rest of our rest of our team is hunkering down, working safely from their homes, such as where I am today, uh, to further advance our technology and and productivity. Um, But yes, unfortunately, we did have to make some layoffs. Uh, This is a tough economic time for many. And Kodiak is unfortunately no exception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, as you say, obviously the pandemic is causing tremendous amount of, of turbulence in the freight markets. Uh, but, you know, even before uh, coronavirus took root, uh, the self-driving uh, vehicle industry had started to, I think, experience some some headwinds. Investors became more cautious. Some of the rhetoric on when, as to when we were going to see self-driving vehicles uh, on the road was dialed back. And we saw some high-profile uh, companies shut down, notably Starsky, Starsky Robotics, a startup that had a business model that was was similar to Kodiak's. So how, how would you describe the challenges facing um, self-driving uh, technology, excuse me, self-driving uh, truck startups today, uh, especially maybe for a company like yours that might be uh, more vulnerable to the volatility in the marketplace because you are actually hauling freight? Right. So I think it's important to to distinguish the fact that we we are hauling freight. Um, well, currently uh, for COVID, because you know we want to help 
uh, society in any way we can. And we think that moving, moving freight is, is really essential to, to the economy. We want to keep that going. But, you know, outside of COVID factors, we've been moving freight not as a means to generate revenue to sustain the business. We've really been moving freight to learn about the challenges uh, that, uh, sh not shippers, but uh, carriers face and what are the technical aspects that we need to address with our technology as a provider uh, to address those concerns. And that's really what moving freight is all about. Um, we're, we're trying to learn about this business and, and make improvements to our system that will allow us to, uh, to perform uh, exceedingly well on those, on those challenges. You know, in terms of the market, in terms of investors, I obviously can't speak for everyone and, and every company is different. I, I would say that it's definitely true that there's been some cooling off um, in the VC world as it relates to all areas of self-driving. I think there's been some cooling off on the investment side for, for many different verticals, not just within self-driving. Um, there have been a lot of promises on the robo-taxi side uh, that have been made for many years. And it's... Uh, they it's taken longer for that technology to to come to fruition. Many empty uh, promises were were not fulfilled. But I think that really speaks to the challenges that that application faces, particularly in bringing the technology to environments uh, where there's real demand for ride sharing in general. And those typically tend to be dense urban environments, which are very difficult driving conditions for for these robotic systems. And on the trucking side, we've been pushing very hard to explain to everyone, pretty much, uh, investors included, that the trucking problem is different. And we think it is a much more uh, tract tr tractable problem on, to solve on the technology side. Uh, and we are seeing uh, investors shift their focus from the robo-taxi market to the trucking market. And so I, I think that it's definitely true it's, that the excitement is not the same as it was back in 2016, 2017 era. But I, I, I feel like my sense is that uh, investors and the community more broadly is still very optimistic and very bullish on this technology. Um, I think you're, you're going to see it much sooner than most people actually think. Uh, it's not 15 years away, but it's also not one year away. And so we need to strike the balance um, of, of developing the technology in a, in a responsible manner. Um, and uh, ultimately, I think that uh, companies like Kodiak uh, are set up for success. And if you build the right team and you build the technology with the right approach, then you, you will ultimately succeed. One of the things that has changed over the past 10 years is the development of a self-driving ecosystem with startups, OEMs, universities, and state governments all working hand-in-hand -hand to accelerate the development of autonomous vehicles. How is Kodiak leveraging this ecosystem to advance the company's tech and logistics goals? Absolutely. And there's many, many factors to your question, so I'll try to break them down, starting with the technology side. It's absolutely true that the market and industry built up around self-driving is significantly more mature than it was even a couple of years ago. If you rewind back to 2016, when I co-founded Auto, uh, the ecosystem was essentially non-existent. There was no OEM support back then uh, in terms of the sensor vendors, LiDAR, camera, and radar technology. There was really only one LiDAR provider in the space. And um, software services were more or less non-existent. Basically, you had to build everything yourself if you wanted it. If you fast forward to now, as we look to 2020 on the technology side, 
it's a rich and mature ecosystem. There are simulation providers. Uh, there are machine learning um, companies. There's data labeling services, uh, mapping companies. That's just on the software side. On, on the hardware, you have sensor vendors, 20, 20 or more LiDAR companies all competing on performance, price, and reliability of the system. And that's good for everyone. And companies like Kodiak can really take advantage of that ecosystem where there are other companies out there specializing in those very narrow specific areas um, that allow us to take advantage um, of those of those those uh, those technologies. And that gives us that gives us an advantage because it allows us to more rapidly develop our technology, our core IP, which is the actual uh, autonomous vehicle component, the, the brains of the system, the driver, if you will, uh, without having to worry about all those uh, auxiliary services that aren't core to to our IP. And that's allowed companies like Kodiak, who have started later in the timeline to move much more quickly, particularly in the beginning. Uh, so that's how I would answer you on the technology side. Now, on the support side as well, things have dramatically changed. We're working with multiple OEM providers, um, multiple tier one suppliers. Uh, the, the OEMs, the manufacturers of these trucks are really engaged in solving this problem. We feel uh, that it's absolutely vital to partner with the existing players. We are not going to build this technology on our own, and nobody else is either. It really is going to be an industry partnership that is needed to come together to develop this technology in a safe and reliable way. And, and that's been core to our approach, which I think is very different than, than the way it's been done in the past, where companies would hack into these systems and reverse engineer them. Uh, you know, we want deep partnerships with the existing players in the space that allow us to develop these systems in um, in, a, in a way that can be certified to the to the right automotive grade specifications, built in production, and ultimately built at scale. And I think that approach is really something that distinguishes Kodiak from a lot of the other uh, players in this space. Let's return to your long haul model. As you said, freeway driving is easier to automate than driving in the city. But long haul trucking comes with its own constraints. For example, you need transfer stations where the trucks can pick up trailers before exiting or entering the freeway. Talk about the kinds of infrastructure and real estate developments you'll need to build out the system. Absolutely, it's a great question. And I wanna first mention that when people think of infrastructural changes, they're often thinking of uh, things like dedicated lanes for autonomous vehicles. And, and I want to point out that at least the way Kodiak is developing their technology, we are not relying on dedicated lanes or any additional infrastructure on the highways themselves. We're building our technology to operate as a human driver would in um, all conditions that human drivers would face while, while moving freight on the highway. And I think that's a really important point to make uh, so that there's no confusion to, to the listeners. Beyond that, as you mentioned, we are um, approaching this from a hub model where the autonomous system would uh, take over at um, a facility near the highway. It would, it would then drive onto the highway, take the on-ramp, merge on, drive down, and then take the off-ramp on the other end. But I think it's important to recognize that at least in the early years, in the, in the short to medium term, the scale of these operations is not going to be so significant uh, that major infrastructural development is going to be needed. I think there are many existing facilities today that are located all along the U.S. highways in, in all the states 
um, where where these transfer locations could could occur. Think about fueling stations and rest stops and public and private infrastructure that exists today. We plan to take advantage of those that type of infrastructure, establish partnerships with those facilities um, to to get this technology off the ground. We have also seen a lot of interest from third party developers who are actually interested in building these types of facilities um, uh, near near the highway, near distribution centers, near in, intermodal facilities. And so we're exploring all of those options as well. But I think in the short to medium term, we're not going to see a lot of need for uh, significant infrastructure changes to make this technology a reality. Okay. And uh, we have yet to really talk about, about the driver's role in all of this. As, of course, you know, there's a lot of opposition to autonomy in the truck driver uh, community. Uh, there's a lot of concern they'll be automated out of the job. But you've talked before about how uh, autonomy done correctly uh, can actually empower the driver. Can you uh, speak to that, please? Absolutely. So we are, we are looking at a hybrid model uh, where we still rely on human drivers, particularly on the regional routes that are going to and from distribution centers, uh, from, uh, from distribution centers to the highway, uh, to these transfer locations, and back again. And, and we think that this model of still involving the drivers in a way that we can actually improve driver quality of life. So you don't have uh, these drivers that are driving uh, hundreds or thousands of miles uh, over the road, uh, spending nights away from their families. Uh, we think that drivers will play a significant role in the automated future. And we actually think we can improve quality of life while increasing jobs. But increasing the type of uh, driving jobs that drivers really enjoy doing. Um, I know you can't generalize across the entire population, uh, but from everything we've been hearing and talking to truck drivers all across the country, uh, it's the long haul, monotonous, middle of nowhere um, hauling lanes that drivers are just not as excited to to drive. And we think this is the place where the autonomous technology really has an opportunity to thrive to improve uh, efficiency, to improve safety, and to, and, to, and to push the jobs near where people live so they can spend more time at home, more time with their families while still, while still performing a, a, vital, a vital job and, and playing a vital role in the overall uh, freight economy. So what is your, your safety benchmark? How, how safe do self-driving trucks actually need to be before we allow them on the road? Uh, do they need to be safer than the safest human driver, safer than human drivers, generally speaking? Where do you draw the line? Uh, this is a great question. It's, it's, it's one that uh, people in my position often get. And I, I think from our perspective, we, we strive to um, bring this technology to a level where it is safer than a human driver. And, and what does that mean? I mean, every driver is different. And so it's very hard to generalize that. But we're, we're, uh, we're striving for a level of reliability that will allow us to be as safe as a human driver who is well-informed, well paying attention, observing the rules of the road. We want to perform that well. And we think that that is, the, that is the point at which it makes sense to launch this technology. Because ultimately, um, Robotic trucks will continually get better at driving. They will continually get safer. Whereas, um, as a as a species of humans, 
I think we have more or less plateaued in terms of our safety and there's becoming more and more distractions on the road generally. Um, and, but whereas each human has to learn how to drive individually, uh, the autonomous vehicles will be able to learn from each other where one truck learns the entire fleet learns. And so once you've surpassed the performance of human drivers, I think that there's only going to be a growing gap between the safety of the autonomous vehicles and the safety of, of the human drivers. Uh, and this is good for everyone. Um, this is good for the safety of our roads. It's good for the other human drivers that are on the roads. Uh, it will allow us to improve efficiency, all while improving the quality of life of the existing drivers today. Um, and so I think it's really imp important to to consider safety, but that is that is the bar that that we hold ourselves to. Uh, so I think we have time for for one more question, and I wanted to return to um, uh, to your uh, model. Uh, to the fact that you are, again, shipping freight with real customers. What are some of the uh, operational lessons that you have learned from, from working with shippers? And, and what questions do you think autonomous trucking companies need to address in order to meet the needs of their, uh, of their customers? Sure. I, I think the, the shippers that we've been speaking with have been very clear about the fact that they care about on-time deliveries they care about the safety of their products, um, and they care about the reliability of the companies and customers that they work with. And so we have strived to be the best carrier we can for these shippers. Uh, to date, we have 100% on-time delivery. Uh, it's something that we're really proud of and we, we take very seriously. Uh, obviously, the safety um, of, of the goods is incredibly important, and, and we've learned that this is these are the things that the shippers really care about. We've learned some of the logistical aspects of of how how we go about picking up freight, um, how we can enter, how can we introduce the the AV technology in a safe and reliable manner, both while we're testing with a safety driver, but also um, how the transfer hub model is going to work in the future. Uh, so there's been a lot of good lessons learned uh, outside of just the, the raw technology improvements that we've made over the last uh, couple of years, working directly with shippers, understanding their pain points, and, and hopefully eventually addressing them with our autonomous technology. Well, uh, Don, uh, I want to thank you for uh, speaking with me this afternoon, and uh, we look forward to continuing. We look forward to uh, continuing to report on uh, Kodiak's progress. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure.